Good morning, everyone. Um, for the last couple of weeks, we have been thinking about one of our core values, which is we pass it on. And uh, this is about the passing on of faith from person to person, from generation to generation, like Psalm 145 says, one generation commends your great works to another. And that's how God's kingdom continually grows and expands. And uh, one really vital expression of that passing on is the raising of children in the faith. It's not the only thing, as I talked about last week, but it's one really vital part. So today we had planned um, a separate session for parents of kids uh, in, in, with the goal of supporting these parents to disciple their kids in the home. Um, and that was going to be upstairs. We are going to do something else down here. But what Karen and I were talking about it and decided we'd be – We'd prefer to involve everyone in this because we think there'll be something valuable in this for all of us, not just for this, this little group here. Um, some of you are grandparents. Give us a shout. <laughs> yep. um, some of you are grandparents. Some of you are aunties and uncles. Um, some of you uh, just spend time with other kids in a, in a particular setting, um, whether it be in the family setting or outside. All of us, though, uh, have others that of any age that we rub shoulders with who observe our lives. And really, these principles, most of what we're talking about this morning is going to be transferable into other areas, even though we'll, we'll do some specific stuff. Uh, you may be in a place where you will be a parent one day, so you can take vigorous notes and go, well, I need to remember this stuff for later. Um, as you'll see in a while, this is much about our own walk with Jesus, as it is about tips and tricks for, you know, for passing faith on to kids. It's important for me to say just before we begin, as we begin, uh, that for some of you what we talk about today, it might evoke feelings of sadness or disappointment because you might go, well, my parents didn't pass on faith in that way to me or my parents weren't around um, in a way that they were able to spend intentional time with me. You may have regrets as a parent. Uh, about what you did or didn't do. And I want to say at the very beginning, therefore, that God's heart and desire for you is not to condemn you today. Uh, it's not to condemn you or anyone else in your circle, in your, in your family. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. As kids and as parents, and as grandparents, sometimes I am, honestly, I'm most aware of my fallenness as a dad. That's just the reality. Um, but I want you to know and remember today that God is your heavenly father. His care for you, his love and his provision for the ones you love and for you more than makes up for your shortcomings and for my shortcomings and we need to remember that. And the enemy may want to whisper lies into your ear this morning. Please don't listen to those lies. Listen, I want to encourage you. Listen for the voice of your heavenly Father who encourages you, who, had good, who has good plans for you, who has good plans for your family, who wants to fill you with hope and fill you with faith, not discouragement. Amen? Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. It's from the message. This is the commandment, the rules and regulations 
that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to cross into, to possess. This is so that you will live in deep reverence before God lifelong, observing all his rules and regulations that I am commanding you, you and your children and your grandchildren, living good long lives. Listen obediently, Israel. Do what you're told so that you will have a good life, a life of abundance and bounty, just as God promised in a land abounding in milk and honey. Attention, Israel, God, our God, God the one and only. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all, with all that you've got. Write these commandments that I have given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, John. So as we reflect on that, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, we have a chance to reflect on this scripture this morning and what it looks like to live it out in the lives of children and whether we're parents, grandparents, maybe parents to be, teenagers, whether we uh, don't have kids but we have nieces and nephews or whatever space that we're in, Lord, we know that there are people younger than us or at least younger in the faith than us who we have the chance to model and to pass on what you have given to us. So help us to pick out what you want us to pick out today uh, from your wisdom, from your word. In Jesus' name. Notice uh, in the, the passage we just read how explicit God was with his people thousands of years ago about making the instructions of God, the love of God, the ways of God part of everyday life, part of the home, part of the family, part of going about your ordinary business. I, I just I love this line in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. You know, these commands, these instructions, get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Uh, I love the way he puts it. Uh, in decades past, Christianity in the West has experienced incredible growth. There's been seasons in not that recent history, that, or quite, you know, quite recent history, where the church has gotten really strong in the West, and, and it's, and it's um, had many positive effects on society. So we take things for granted that come from the Christian foundations of our Western countries, because the church was so strong. Right? But in some areas, this has also produced uh, a complacency. And one of those is, for example, if the church, uh, the, the God's church had a, a great uh, Sunday school and is doing an exemplary job with a, a booming kind of kids program of doing a, doing a great job of kids learning the, the ways of Jesus and learning the Bible. Um, 
this was the case when, you know, in what some of you will remember as the glory days when the Sunday schools were full and the church was full. Um, but if that's the case, then as a parent, maybe I don't need to worry so much about that. You know, that's, that faith development is happening in the church. And over time, what we have seen is the impacts of that bit of complacency. And, and so attractive children's ministries, like great kids' programs that kids want to come to, are a double-edged sword. I mean, who doesn't want their church to have a great kids program? That's a that's a given. We want to see that thriving and booming. But this is the this is the kicker. Some studies have shown that despite kids coming through churches with great kids program in a certain season, this is the research. 89% of evangelical teenagers leave the church upon graduating from high school. Really, really difficult to kind of to hear that and go, oh my goodness, like surely something has been wrong. And so that's partly because the pervading view for many years, many decades even, was that discipling kids is the church's job. Now, it wouldn't be articulated that, like it's a more subtle sort of, you know, subconscious mindset, but that was and has been the mindset. Thankfully, that's shifting. Praise God that's shifting, but we need that to really substantially shift, don't we? Away from just, oh, it's the church's job, and into uh, a different space. Now, here's why I say that. Karen's going to share a few things. Thank you, Luke. So the bottom line is, if parents want kids to have a vibrant faith, they must accept full responsibility for discipling their own kids. Um, We don't accidentally disciple kids. This is what one research group found. It says... Number one, children were more likely to have a vibrant faith if the parents weren't even Christians than if the parents went to church but didn't act as the primary disciplers. And then secondly, the children were more likely to have vibrant faith if the parents were Christians and didn't go to church than if the parents were Christians or they went to church and then didn't act as the primary disciplers at home. So that sounds to me on first glance like we shouldn't come to church. Did anyone read it that way? Like, well, if we just stay home, then our kids will grow up. Um, is that right, Karen? No, 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 Luke. The, the <laughs> point is, it's really important to disciple your own kids at home. Um, it means monkey see, monkey do. What kids observe is what they follow. A classroom kind of learning is great, but kids who are immersed in a consistent culture pick up the language and the nuances of that culture. Think about the Deuteronomy passage we read Write it on the doorposts, talk about it in the streets, and tie it on your hands. In short, we want faith to be taught and caught. So, for example, we adults have ways that we grow spiritually, but kids need help with this. There's a few ways we can help them. We can teach them to spend time with God. We can teach them to spend time with other Christians. We can teach them to use their gifts. And we can teach them to share their story. And we focused on these particular spiritual habits last term in Billabong Kids. But in the home, we want them not to just learn about how to follow Jesus, but we want them to catch it. Um, so if you're a parent, you so can this ask... this is particularly for those who have kids in yeah. Billabong Kids. Yeah. So if you're a parent of like kids in Billabong Kids, you can ask them about what they've learned in church. 
you can check out the lesson recaps we provide. Um, I try to post the Grow TV videos we use, which you can watch together, and then see what can be practiced in the home that week. Uh, but the big idea is, we have, we have big idea in kids. Uh, kids catch faith from those they spend time with. So how can we help make that happen? So faith is taught and caught. Taught and caught. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was it was stick with you. So we're gonna we're gonna think a little bit about how to take this responsibility as parents and grandparents, mentors, aunties, uncles, whatever the setting may be. But first, we want because right, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Oh gosh, how do we do this? So we want you to start by just thinking about and discussing, if you want, your hopes. So the question on the that come up on the screen is: In five to ten years' time, think about who someone, whether it be a child, uh, a grandchild. A friend, um, a friend's kid who you spend time with, a niece and nephew. It might just be a friend. You may even want to apply this to yourself if you're younger. Um, but in five to ten years' time, what would your hope for? What, what what's your hope for your child's or this child's relationship with God to look like? What would you hope that they're doing to grow in their faith? Five to ten years' time. Whoever you're thinking of, what would be your hope for them? Just. Have a think about that. Brainstorm if you want to. The paper's there. You've got, there should be plenty of sheets on each table. Spend five minutes on that. What would be your hope? Would you hope that they, they are a missionary in China? Would you hope that they just um, are more peaceful in the Lord? Would you, what, what would be your hope? Would you hope that they've come to know and made a personal commitment? Um, so discuss that um, if you like. Have a think about that. Brainstorm. Um, and, uh, again, if you don't want to share, you don't have to. Um, but if you would like to, you can chat about it. So five minutes, let's do that. And if you are watching online live or you're listening to this afterwards, because I know there will be parents who want to send this out to so they can have their own conversations, um, yeah, please stop the video. Well, not now, stop the video. <laughs> but um, if you're watching later, you know, stop the video, have some discussion around this. Use this as a tool and a bit of a resource. So if we, if we pull it back in now, you'll have more opportunity to keep talking. Maybe you've, you've gone, okay, yeah, I think I do have this hope for a child in my life. Um, what would it take to see that hope or that dream uh, that you have for your child, for your grandchild or friend or sibling become a reality? What would it actually take? As Karen said before, we want faith to be taught and caught. Uh, so the place to start is, what does my walk with Jesus look like? There's two parts of that. What does my walk with Jesus look like? And what does my walk with Jesus look like? Uh, what does it look like to my kids? What does it look like to kids around me, a grandkid or, or someone? We don't realise most of the time how deeply our worldview has been shaped by the 18th century Enlightenment, which placed faith in the realm of personal, private values as opposed to publicly verifiable, verifiable facts. Maths and science and concrete things stayed in the realm of we need to pass these, this knowledge on from generation to generation because it's concrete, it's, it's, it's set in stone. 
But then faith was put over in this, well, you believe what you want to believe and other people will make their decision. But this has not always been the case. For the vast majority of history, we human beings did not feel that faith and God was this sort of deeply personal private matter that just had to stay here. So we've got to get back to living our faith in the same way as we would get our kids or our grandkids to see us cooking food or to see us fixing a door uh, or, or, or um, tending to a garden. Anything that, that is a, a normal part of your life, stuff they can see plainly that it, if it piques their interest, you would then show them what you're doing and how you're doing it and sometimes you don't even need to do that with certain skills. They just pick up on what you do and then they just go and do it. Um, but every kid is different. They latch on to different things. So um, one thing we've, Karen and I have noticed, you can stand a little bit closer to me if you want to. <laughs> one thing I've noticed about our boys, um, they latch on to different things. So um, sometimes it'll be particular songs and it'll actually be particularly if I'm singing a particular song up the front. Um, so I realised that and then realised well, for far too long I would do my practice like singing and playing on the guitar either after they went to bed or in another room away from them. So I'm trying to sort of change that to go well I don't want them to be the only time I worship God. I don't want that to be um, the only time that they see it be up on the stage at church. Um, so I'm trying to do that around them more now. Um, as much as I like to shut my door for quiet time with God, because otherwise it's not quiet time, it's interrupted every 10 seconds time. <laughs> um, as much as I like it to be quiet time, door shut away, I, I've had the opportunity when Micah comes in to tell him about how I pray when he sees that and he sees the devotional I use. I was just talking over here about that, just our observation of practically living out faith. Um, we got, we've got this beautiful photo, which should go up on the screen, of Micah praying with the serving team before church as a toddler. Uh, I think Yoi took that. And now he didn't know what he was doing. He's just putting his hands together like, <laughs> like this. But faith lived out visibly like just coming and the serving team's going to pray, uh, helps kids sometimes see something that we want to become a reality in due course and then it helps that uh, down the track. Karen. Yep. And as a mum with really young kids, I'm pretty stretched so I don't get quiet time very often. I, sh I should. I should just run away first and shut the door and see if that <laughs> works. But I try to read or listen to the Bible in one year when I can. Um, and uh, the good thing about that is the kids do overhear bits when I can. And I think I average about two seconds, two sections or before two seconds. I get interrupted. Often it's two seconds, though. Um, I also try to be intentional about what I listen to with the kids. Um, we tend to keep the Christian station 98.5 on the car radio most of the time because it's safe for little ears and it's also really fun to listen to. Um, Sarah Sheehy messaged me about a month ago and recommended a podcast called The Word on the Street. Um, and I've listened to it with the kids over lunch a few times, and it's been really good. Um, and I really recommend that as a quick and valuable conversation starter and family devotional, especially for teens. Um, so it's called The Word on the Street podcast. I'll probably throw that onto the Facebook page or one of your emails. Um, but one of the main goals is to live faith genuinely and visibly so our kids or whoever else can catch on and learn from what they see. 
If I regularly have conversations about what God's doing in my life with Luke while the kids are around, not talking at them as much as they overhear and almost get to eavesdrop and listen, it allows them to see that this is simply normal for their parents to talk like this. Um, I need to own up to my mistakes. My kids need to see that just because I'm a grown-up and just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that I need the grace of Jesus any less than anybody else. I fall short, and I need to seek forgiveness, and there are times I need to forgive someone else. And bedtime prayers has been a really good place to model confession and repentance with them. And finally, my kids are not at a church-affiliated school. They're in public, um, and they don't have many peers outside of church and life group who are Christians. So we try to make time to hang around other Christians socially so the kids can have an opportunity to hear and learn from them and be encouraged. So these are just a couple of examples. Please don't think that we've sort of got it all together in this realm. We want you to to think yourself about what you do and what you can do. But um, this second table discussion uh, is about it's it's about your walk with Jesus. And again, this can apply to anyone wherever you're faced because everybody has people who observe them. Um, put yourself in your children or grandkids or someone else's shoes. What do they see? or know about your own faith? What do they observe at uh, church or with other Christians around the home that you're with them with? Uh, What do they observe at home or when they're out and about with you? So put yourself in someone's shoes, maybe a young person who's observing you. What do they see? What don't they see? And, And again, please don't use this as a time to beat yourself up or to get discouraged. We go, okay, well, what would they see? What do they see? And be honest about that. You don't have to share with people around your group. You may like to scribble it down. Um, but if you want to discuss, please do. So five minutes on that, and then we'll come back. So hopefully there's some things that come to mind just as you think about what uh, kids in your life do observe. Maybe there's also your mind's going towards things you could do or could, or could do differently. But um, and, and there are absolutely things we can put in practice. So this is where we want to kind of do our third final section. Um, beyond living lives our kids can imitate and pick things up from, there's intentional things we can do. Now, as I said last week in the, the lead up to this, this is not, the goal here is not to go, right, what are 20 things I can add to my already busy life <laughs> to try and do this really well? That is not the point. Um, the goal is to make maybe one or two tweaks that can bring Jesus into family or community life. Um, talk talk about the Deuteronomy passages, talk about them, God's ways, talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking on the street, tie them around your wrists, make it normal. So make some tweaks to do that. Um, look, honestly, sometimes for Karen, uh, for Karen and I, the best we can do is get through the day alive. Uh, here's an example. A couple of days ago, I got this message. It's to our three kids who have got themselves into the car. Josiah's in the driver's seat, and Karen's message to me said, good thing I got there when I did. They were about to steal our car. So, Yeah, they'd even gotten Abigail like buckled into her seat and everything. They were ready to roll. We don't have a car with a push button start the engine, and they didn't have the keys, thankfully. But if they did... 
who knows? So, look, if you're getting through the day as a parent surviving, you're doing well. Uh, on other days, if we can tick two out of five boxes of... Uh, I, I'm sorry, did that disturb you all? Like, we're, uh, I'm, <laughs> you're a bit quiet. Um, if we can tick two out of, bo- out of five boxes sometimes, what well, we hope uh, can grow faith in our kids, then that's, that's a win. Um, Karen's going to share a few things as we think about some practical things we can do. Yep, so um, I think one of the ways we think about things is rhythms. So there's daily things, there's weekly things, monthly. Um, they can be opportunities to cultivate faith in your kids. Um, so the following is just some things you might do as a family. And remember, these are just examples. Um, we look at daily spiritual touch points as a family. Um, for example, reading the Bible together, using an age-appropriate Bible like the Jesus Storybook Bible, which That's is one of our right. favorites. Um, don't have the cover, unfortunately, but um, this, yeah, really good one. Um, and it works well when it's done at breakfast or dinner. I've found that in our house that somebody will feel cheated if the Bible takes up one of the bedtime stories and we run out of time to read about Spider-Man. So Jesus and Spider-Man in our house, it's sort of... Just being honest. (laughs) We ran into trouble when consequences became like, you're losing a bedtime story. Like, oh, so it's just the Bible. And so we had to tweak it. Uh, Secondly, family prayer time. There's a few things that can shape family prayer time. Um, Everyone, are these up on the board? I don't know if they are. Everyone shares something that they're thankful to God for. Um, Is there anyone who's sick and not feeling well? Pray for them. Is anyone worried or anxious? Pray for them. Pray for people who don't know God, but who are open to talking about it. Or we can pray for our church and our life group. Um, I started just in terms of the day, things you can do daily. I just noticed with Micah as he was beginning to struggle. Micah's our seven-year-old, by the way, if you don't know. Uh, he was beginning to struggle with some things in school. He's recently been diagnosed with ADHD. And um, I noticed that just, just that drop-off point, at the day, at the beginning of the day in the schoolyard, that this was an opportunity for an intentional prayer and something consistent. Um, I think it was Nicole actually who sent me an article about reminding kids that Team Jesus is with them in their school and that they're on Team Jesus. So I just started doing that with him each day and seeing, and that just became a Monday to Friday daily spiritual touch point, which was intentional. Um, second one, it's still a daily thing, but. The nighttime, um, if, if you are in that space with kids who you're putting to bed, that nighttime word and prayer is, is such an opportunity not just for a quick prayer and night-night, but to speak God's love over them and to, to pray over them and then with them when they're old enough, if they're little, obviously it's just for them. Um, and I usually do this with our boys at this, in this phase. Karen's putting Abby down, who's younger. Um, but it's, I've, the thing about nighttime is that it's one of the easiest Rhythms, um, because unlike the dinner table, they're easy to keep in one place. Uh, right, parents? Like at the dinner table, you know, don't, please don't imagine if you are a, 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 gonna be a parent or a grandparent that there's this sort of the kids sitting around the dinner table, we're all with their hands together like this, praying, you know, patiently for 10 minutes and then reading the Bible. Like it's not always anything close to <laughs> that. Most of you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's easy with the nighttime thing, the good night word and prayer, to become stale as well. So I just find I have to mix it up, and um, sometimes it's more on thankfulness, sometimes more on getting them to pray, uh, and so on. Then think about weekly or monthly things. 
that you can be doing. And again, this, can, this isn't just for parents, um, but you may have the opportunity to spend time with uh, grandkids or nieces and nephews on a Saturday. Um, Sabbath, we call it family day, is such an important thing for us. And uh, honestly, at our phase, in our, the, where we're at, it's more about, about just trying not to use it as a kind of catch up on stuff day, but an intentional time with them kind of day. Um, I know other families, it can be some, there can be some more intentional spirituality um, within that day for them. So Sabbath is a good starting point. Yep, and secondly, earlier we mentioned um, about the, the it's important to go to church, but also to um, engage with your kids as well with it. So talk about the sermon, talk about the songs, the Bible readings, things that resonated with you, um, things that relate during the week. Um, attending church as a family is good as well. Uh, participate in a life group. This could happen weekly or fortnightly or monthly, depending on your group. Um, share in your community together as a family, having fun, praying together for each other, the wider community. You open the Bible together. Uh, next, serving together as a family, um, maybe on the serving team at church or maybe volunteering in the community as a way to show God's love to your neighbors. Um, doing this teaches your kids generosity of time, finances, heart, and resources. Um, at the moment, our family serves together in our community with our village coffee mornings in our estate. And with that, we collaborate with another family from Micah's class um, to sort of create a space for our neighbors to come together in our estate and build relationships over coffee and breakfast. So again, these are just suggestions. You need to think about your context. And we encourage you to brainstorm a few things. Use the paper. Um, and some of what we just mentioned, it's not inherent, inherently spiritual stuff, right? Like it's all kind of about prayer and Bible. But sometimes these are rhythms that create space and opportunity for the more organic kind of observation of faith, discussion about faith, why we serve, why we do this, etc. So um, the final thing is... Yes, to brainstorm. Well, what are some ways we can make an intentional connection between daily life and faith? Some daily or weekly or monthly things. But the goal is not to go, right, now I've got to do these 10 things like we brainstorm. What we want to encourage you to do is, if possible, what's one thing you can stop doing that might be hindering that discipleship of kids in your life and one thing you can start doing to incorporate into your family routine? or with your kids, or the kids in your life. So that's the goal. Have a bit of a brainstorm, and then in, the over, in five or so minutes' time, what's one thing you can stop doing and one thing you can start doing? You don't have to share that with everyone. Just come, try and come away with that in your heart as a, as a resolve. Understood? Okay. I do want to encourage you to, 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 to keep reflecting. If you, hadn't, if you haven't thought about what's one start and what, what's one stop, to, to keep reflecting on that over the course of today. What's one thing I could start doing? Sorry, what's one thing I could stop doing that may be hindering in this area? And what's one thing I could start doing? Um, everyone say stop and start. One thing. <laughs> It's always less helpful to go away with five, six different things because we never achieve even one.